we're going to be, we'll be talking about only believe. Amen. Only believe. Let me be honest. I wanted to start this. What I had in mind to preach on, I felt originally to talk about was I am healed. But when I wanted to start that subject, I just couldn't. The Holy Spirit just drove me towards this end. So it made it slightly bigger rather than narrow it down to the area of healing. Amen. So the series, this is going to be a series. It's called Only Believe. Okay. I don't normally explain the purpose of a series, but let me do for the sake of this one. The purpose of this series is to emphasize or teach us clearly to enjoy, to emphasize that we should enjoy all that God has done for us through Christ Jesus. We only need to believe the sacrifice of his body on the cross for our sin, and we need to believe that we are saved, freed, healed, made holy, and actually made rich. Amen. Okay, so those five things, these five things are some of the things that I will touch in the series, okay? Today, I will not be able to touch on all of them. I'll probably be mentioning them here and there because you find them in the scripture as I read the scripture. And, but the focus will be on I am saved and I am healed, okay? And, uh, <clears throat> and the other two, probably by God's grace, would touch on them next week. Those other two will be I am free and I am holy, Okay? And then the fifth one, I feel someone else is more anointed than I am <laughs> to do that, and that's Simon Teague on the 27th. So I'm looking forward to that, <laughs> to teach us on I am rich. He will be giving us godly principles on finances. Amen. Amen. So please, on the 27th, <laughs> my brother Simon Teague will be giving us some key notes. It will be practical. It won't just be Bible knowledge. It will be practical on how to improve on our finances. He is anointed to do that. Amen. If he's doing it for the business world, this is God's business. He better do it in this house. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank God for that. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just want to thank you so much for all that you have done for us. You have been bringing us, you've started from the time Favor House started, you've been just dealing with us in the area of faith. Um, we, we've tried our best many times to talk on other subjects, but you keep bringing us back to the subject of faith because that is the basics of all for us to access or receive everything that you have done for us. We are grateful. Thank you because this house is yours. By this house, I mean the people, every one of us. We belong to you. You're building us up together into a, a, a full body of yours, Father. And as, you, as I speak today, let understanding be impacted to every one of us in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, let's turn our Bibles to John chapter 6. And we're going to read verse 28 and verse 29. John chapter 6, verse 28 and 29. Okay. Please, if you don't have a Bible, do ask for one. We do try to provide Bible. Actually, today will be a good day to have a Bible because there's so many scriptures to read. And I believe God for grace or speed to be able to do justice to this message. And um, I don't have to worry. I think he does it anyway. And then anything I miss, he will sort it out. Cool. 
John chapter 6. Okay, I read verse 28 and I read verse 29. We use that as the main text for our series. And probably I'll still go and read it again because he, he read the whole reading context later. So verse 28. They replied, they here means the, the, the children of Israel, the Jewish people, after Jesus in John chapter 6, you know, try to depart from them, go away, hide, try to hide away from them. They followed him. They found out where he is. They came and they wanted him to keep doing miracles and all that. This is after he has fed them. Yeah? So here they come now asking this question. So they are, Jesus is now confronting them, telling them, listen, you guys are not looking for me because you actually understand the miracles I'm doing. Anyway, after those confrontations, here is their comment and then Jesus' reply. We have that on the screen. Thank you. So, we want to, these people are saying to God, Jesus, you know, we want to do God's work too. I, I underline the word there too. In other words, these things you're doing, we want to do it. Okay, this work that God has called you to do, we want to do it. Or the things that you're, you know, make, make of it whatever you want. But we want to perform God's works. The key note there is S. There's an S to the work there. There's lots of things we need to do. So please list those things for us to do. And then Jesus replied in verse 29. Verse 29, Jesus replied, This is the only, can someone say only? Only work. He took out the S. He narrowed it to one thing. And what is that? Let's read it together. Believe in the one he has sent. Referring to himself. They are requesting for lots of things to do. Jesus narrowed it down to one thing and he said to them, the only thing God, God the Father is asking you guys to believe is that believe in the ones that he has sent. Okay. To them, it, mean, it, mean, it, mean, it makes a lot more sense. Why? Because he's standing there before them. Okay. So he's talking to a priest of people who are seeing Jesus physically. So he's telling them, believe that the ones you're, that are standing next to you now is sent to you from God or by God. Yeah? That is the only work that they needed to do. This is the whole basis of our series, of this whole series, okay? Believe in the one God has sent. For them, he's talking to but for us, it will now mean believe in what he has done. In other words, the one who was sent, the things he has done. Okay, kind of, I've gone a little much ahead of myself and almost painted the picture of this whole message. Okay, let's read this a little bit in context and see what Jesus did. From verse 25, the, the same John, 20, John 6, from verse 25. They found him on the side. Okay, I've actually given you a bit of this. I've given you a bit of that. But anyway, for the sake of it, let's just read it. Rabbi... When did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want, can I pause for a minute? Most of the times you see I tell you the truth here, like I mentioned in the message in worship, the truth you're seeing here is fact. Okay, I'm telling you real fact, reality. I'm not faking things here. I'm just giving you fact, okay? I'm giving you, I'm telling you the fact that you, what you wanted, you didn't come to me because you, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, you didn't come to me because you understood the miracles. You came because you want to eat and then 
But if you understand the miracles, you'll be uh, that, you know, the Son of Man, has, God has given approval to the Son of Man and all that. And then we read already verse 28 and verse 29. Now I'm going to go to jump to verse 32. Verse 32 and 30 to 35. Okay. Verse 32, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. I'm telling you fact. Moses did, didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. Okay, I'm telling you the truth because they came for bread and they challenged him and said, well, do a miracle because Moses anyway did some miracle by performing, bringing manna. And he's trying to tell them, the manna you received was not from Moses, it was from, from my father. Now, and now he offers you the, tr the true bread. Amen. Are we following so far? Okay, Moses did not offer you that bread, but even if it was my father that did it, but now the same way the father offered them bread, he's now offering the true bread. Referring again to what he said, believe in the one he sent. Okay, you will see why we are mentioned. I'm reading all these long scriptures. Verse, verse 33, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven, referring to himself, and gives life to the world. Yeah? 34, sir, they said, give us this bread every day. Good, good, good point. We need that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. So say amen to that. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes, here is a, the subject again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. Okay. Verse 38, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me not to do, uh, not to do my own will. Verse 40, I'm jumping around a little bit, bear with me. Verse 40, for it is the Father's will that all who see his Son and believe, two things there, see and believe, okay? See and believe. All who see the Son and believe, to them it was talking about the ones who is physically seeing him there. For us, what would see mean? Can anyone just try? What would, because we're not seeing him physically now, so what would that mean for us? We see him where? In the word. Okay, we see Jesus in the word now, because that is how we look. If you want to see Jesus, you start here, and then you link also to the rema. You start with the logos and the rema. So the physical word of God, this is why Maybe just, just as a side note, this is why we should never come to the point where the word of God is no longer important. Amen. There's no, this is the only way our faith is built. This is the only way we, faith comes. Yeah? So you, there is no believing without this. Because this does the seeing. This gives us the seeing. It's from here we, it's from here we see what he has done, then we can believe it. Okay? Amen. So, now, so all who see, verse 40, all who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life. I mentioned earlier in a previous message, when do we have eternal life? Now, you have eternal life now, okay? Okay. You guys are going to make me just go into that. Uh, please, don't make me go there. Okay, I should. I should. I'm not rushing anywhere. It is better that people are taught properly. 
okay, that we know something and know it properly. It doesn't matter my subject. Eternal life is not eternity with the Father. Two different things. Uh, amen. Eternal life and eternity with the Father. Eternity means now we are now living with him forever and ever and ever. Okay? Most times does that when we say eternal life, that's what people are thinking. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. When Jesus talks about eternal life, he's talking about the life of the, that you have already. The Holy Spirit in you, the life of God in you is eternal life. <sighs> you guys are giving me the look. Oh, you're giving me that look that I might stop this message and stay on this point. This is important. <laughs> it's so important. Listen, even the scripture we read said it. It says, whoever... All who see the Son, okay, and believe in him should have eternal life. You know what Jesus said in John 17? I read it before, another day for us. Okay, just quickly, I just say that. John 17, he explained eternal life. This was not part of my notes, but it's good. John 17, verse 3. Jesus says, Okay, you can read verse 2. For you have, you have given him authority, talking about himself. He's pre talking to the Father, referring to himself. So this prayer is Jesus talking to the Father. He says, you have given Jesus, my, me, the authority over everyone. He gave eternal life to me, Jesus, gives eternal life to whoever um, you have given me. Now he says in verse 3, and this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the Father, and Jesus you have sent. Who here knows the Father? Raise your hand, please. Who here knows Jesus? You have eternal life. Okay? The reason why you will have eternity with God is because you know you have eternal life. So eternal life precedes eternity. Okay? It's because we have eternal life, then the Bible now talks about this awesome hope we have. Let's hold on to it. Let's not give up. And the only reason why we have eternal life is because of what you believe. Amen. You believe. Okay. Thank you for that rabbit trail that we've you got your looks gave me and uh, we had to do that. <laughs> but please let it be known today to us that eternal life is what I'm enjoying now. That Earn yearning to worship God, that yearning to even sometimes repent of your sin. Those is, that's eternal life that is calling unto you. That's what the Bible is referring to deep, calling unto deep, okay? The deep of God calling unto your deep. Amen. Move on, King. Move on quickly. Verse, <laughs> verse 47 of chapter 6. <laughs> verse 47, I tell you the truth. Truth here again is fact. I'm telling you facts. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Okay, you see that scripture now, making it very, very clear. Anyone who believes has eternal life. And I'm speaking to my people here, and I'm saying, if you believe you have eternal life, and then he moves on to say, yes, I am the bread of life. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will never, will live forever. And this, and this bread, which I offer 
to, so that the world may live is what? My flesh. This is big. It is what? My flesh. Okay. Now, I'm going to make some few points now that hopefully will be on the screen. The reason why we say only believe, okay, the reason why we say only believe is because we only believe that Jesus has done it all for us. This points here on the screen that Jesus has done it all is a foundational point, okay, on most of what we're going to be talking about for what he has done. Now, we're going to go into Hebrews chapter 10, and we have some scriptures to read here in Hebrews chapter 10. From verse 1, we're going to read to verse 10. Verse 1, from verse 1. The old, the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. What did the Bible call it? A dim preview, not even a good preview, but a one that is not that clear. So imagine you have a preview and yet it's still not clear. That's what the scripture is referring to, the old system, the Old Testament. But it's referring, this context of this scripture is on the on sacrifice of goats and lamb, okay, and all that. Now, not, it's not the good thing in itself. The sacrifice under the system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleaning of those who came to worship. Take note of the word perfect cleaning, because I'm going to come back to that. It never provided perfect cleaning. If they could have provided perfect cleaning, the sacrifice would have stopped. Which means, once there is a perfect cleaning, the scripture is saying, then there is no need for another sacrifice. Which then explains why they had to do the yearly sacrifice every year. They had to do it every year because each one time they did it never really cleaned them. If you pause for a minute and think of what I've just said, what does that say about God? That even the sacrifice they were doing never really cleaned them. Okay. Imagine if I say to Soludo, or Kene says to Soludo as a father, so he says, oh, you know what, I want a tree house. I want a tree house, daddy, I want a tree house. I say, oh, okay, fine. Um, he doesn't know how to use hammer. He doesn't know how to use any tool. He says, okay, fine. I'll go to B&Q. I'll get all the tools. Here you go. I'll give you all the tools. You build it. Yeah? He's going to try his best. He's going to think a bit, put together something and he probably will be so excited he's done something isn't it he? he'll be so excited wow come and see the tree house i've built and Kenneth, being a good father will come out a dodgy father will be like you mean you did that that's rubbish a cat can't even live on that inside that no but Kenneth, being a good father will come out and go wow you did that that was awesome Look at that, and he's in his head is thinking, oh my goodness, this is horrible. <laughs> Even if he's not thinking that, but at least he's encouraging the child and saying to them, wow, you've done well. Yeah? That is a picture of what I see here that God was doing. God knew that the killing of goats and lamb was actually not cleaning anything. Or not even cleaning us clean. 
That's why we're repeating it. The Bible is saying to us, we're repeating it every year. Because he wasn't really cleaning anything. So like Kenne, God will come and look at that and say, that's all right. It's okay, that's fine. As long as you guys are, you've made some effort. That's good. What picture does that paint about God, even in the Old Testament? Someone. Merciful, gracious God. That's a picture of grace. Even in the Old Testament. Because what they were doing was not even good enough. Their penance, their sacrifices, their offerings, their fasting, all the things they were doing was still not enough. And yet he goes, oh, well done now. You guys are, oh, my beloved people. Oh, yes, you've done well. It was never enough. The scripture is that. When I saw that, I was like, wow, that's awesome to see that about God. Amen. Anyway, sorry, guys. Um, Seems like I'm enjoying myself too much. Yeah. Okay. Now, so it says, yeah, verse 2. If they could have provided perfect cleaning, cleansing, sorry, the sacrifice would have stopped. For the worshippers who have been purified would have been purified once and what? For all. Take note of the next line. And their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. If they were cleansed once and for all, their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. This is big. We're going to come back to maybe towards the ending of the message. You understand where that is, why that is big. But instead, those sacrifices was actually reminding them of their sin each time. In other words, most times they come to sacrifice. What was it reminding them of? Yeah, almost like you have to repeat to yourself what that you've done. It's like you're bringing your goat and your lamb and say, by the way, this lamb is for the, I stole my neighbor's three, you know. So you, <laughs> whatever, sorry, I was looking for an example. <laughs> I stole my neighbor's cat. I, um, I, I fornicated, I lied, I cheated. So those sacrifices was actually reminding them of their evil rather than actually pointing them towards the mercies of God. That's what the scripture is saying. So the focus is not on what God has done. The focus was on what they have done. Does that make sense? Okay. We're doing this in the subject of only believe what he has done. Amen. Okay. Uh, God, thank you. All right. Verse 4. For it was not, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Verse 5. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animals sacrifice or, or sin sacrifice. You see what I was saying? God actually doesn't want that. Like, again, using Kene example, but like Kene, even though that was not the best house, he allowed it. Okay? So, um, God doesn't want that, but fine, he allowed them. But Jesus is now saying, verse 5, but you've given me a body to offer. You've given me a body to offer. The reason why... Remember earlier, I said to us, take note of the word, I, this bread is my flesh that I mentioned earlier. So you've given me a body to offer. Now, verse 6, you were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings 
for sin. Then I said to look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it's as is written about me in the scriptures. First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices. He's repeating a little bit. Verse 9. Let's go to verse 9. Okay. And he said, look, I have come to do your will. Then he, Jesus, cancels the first covenant in the order, in order to put the second into effect. Is that clear? I don't need to explain that. He stopped that old style of sacrifice in order to activate the new one. In other words, he had to give a flesh to replace that they were doing. Now, the second point we're going to make here, and every, I'm going to tie all this together, okay? The second point here is only believe in the physical suffering and sacrifice of Jesus' body. Believe it. When I say only believe, I mean don't doubt this. Don't question it. Don't, when I say question, it's not question in terms of I want to understand, but question in, in terms of I don't believe. You, you know what I mean by the, by the two difference? Do you understand the difference? There's a difference. You can ask a question, but you're asking a question because you don't want to believe it, or you could ask a question because you actually want to know. Two different things. So when I say only believe, I mean do just believe this basic things. One, all that he has done. Two, the sacrifice, the physical sacrifice of his body and pains that he took. Verse, we're going to read, let me read Hebrews chapter 2 for us. I like the scripture very well. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 and 15. Because God's children are human. Made of flesh and blood, the Son, referring to Jesus, also became flesh and blood. Here is the only is known. For only as a human being could he die. Meaning, he's a spirit. Spirits don't die. You see that in movies sometimes. <laughs> you just vanish a spirit, but you cannot kill a spirit. So he was a, he's a spirit. He had to become human so that he can die, okay? And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Now, in the scripture, there's a lot, and I'm not going to be able to touch them because he touches even some of the series I'm going to do, part of this series on I am free and different aspects. Okay? But here is, I'm focusing on the fact that he had to take on this flesh. He had to take on the body because by taking on the body, that gave him the right or the power to take or destroy the power of the devil and death. Okay, I'll, I'll get to that. Now, there is, this is so important, what I'm talking about, this body of Christ and the physical aspect of his suffering. Very, very important. Because the Bible talks about the Antichrist. And when the Bible mentions the Antichrist or the spirit of Antichrist, what he said is that this, is this, the spirit of Antichrist is a spirit that does not want to acknowledge that Jesus actually had a physical body. Okay. Let's read that. 
Let's read that. Um, you, you see this in First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, 3. First John chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. I'm giving us a little bit of opposite so you could take serious. You could see the weight of or importance of believing in that physical aspect of Jesus' suffering. And you will see why we're talking about this. First John chapter 4, verse 3. He says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. Don't believe anyone who just claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets. Prophets in the world. Prophet simply is a person who is speaking for God. Okay? I'm standing here now and I'm prophesying to you. Okay? I don't have to have prophet King James. And if Simon comes up here and speaks for God, he's a prophet in that sense. Okay? Prophet is anyone who's prophesying to you, speaking for God. Okay? So don't believe anyone who's speaking for God, basically what he's saying, because there are many people who are falsely speaking for God. And he said, this is how you will know if they are, their spirit, the spirit that person carries is from God. If a person, this is in verse 2, claiming to be a prophet, I like to break this one down, claiming to be speaking for God, acknowledges that Jesus came in the real body. If a person that is speaking for God acknowledges that Jesus literally had a physical body, that person has the spirit of God. This puts very serious importance on believing that Jesus has a physical body. Because the Bible is saying whoever doesn't is, an, is a spirit of antichrist. It's actually a spirit working against Christ. Amen. All right. Okay. Okay. This is good. Verse 3 says, but if someone claims to be speaking for God or a prophet and does not acknowledge the tr truth, what truth here is not the truth flying in the air, it's a real statement, real, it, uh, acknowledge the fact about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here now, so we're not looking for antichrist. It's something that has been happening. Okay, now, so that's the, on the point. We're still under the point of believe in the physical suffering and sacrifice of his body. Okay, through his sacrifice, uh, the, his sacrifice, he defeated all his enemies. Through the physical sacrifice, by Jesus being bruised, by Jesus being cut. By Jesus being slapped. So every little physical thing. I'm doing it on purpose so you can understand what I'm talking about. That the physical things he suffered is what I need to believe. Alright? Okay? The physical things he suffered. Bible said in Hebrews, through doing those physical things and suffering physically, he defeated all his enemies. All his enemies. And we will touch who are Jesus' enemies. Now, in Hebrews chapter 10, we're going back to our Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. But our high priest, talking about Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. 
Then he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of God, a uh, uh, place of honor at God's right hand. Verse 13, there he waits until his enemies are humbled and made footstools under his feet. Okay, the script, I'm reading the scriptures for you to understand. He's defeated his enemies, but he's waiting for all of them finally to be made his footstool. Okay, this is where the church comes in place. Because Bible says uh, God is advancing his kingdom. How? Jesus is advancing his kingdom with who? The church, us. So he's actually, we're actually part of the people who are bringing the enemy down to his footstool. Uh. I feel like I'm, you guys are making me feel like I'm doing a lot of theological teaching. I thought this was quite simple. <laughs> but I'm getting some look that are making me feel like this is just too, too high up there. Anyway, the Holy Spirit gives understanding. Who or what are Jesus' enemies? Let's just list a few. I think I've got it on the list there. Jesus, let's put that up on the screen. Number one is Satan. Satan is his number one enemy. That is Lucifer. You see that in Isaiah 14, verse 12 to 15, Ezekiel 8, 28, verse 11 and, 20, uh, and to 19. I'm not going to read that scripture. Lucifer. From Lucifer, you see the second one, sin. Bible called iniquity. Yeah? Iniquity, Sin. Bible talks about it in John. Jesus himself talked about it. He called Satan iniquity was found in his heart. He's a liar and he's the father of all lies. Okay? It was from him that sin came. Sin was found in him. All right. So, and I, I purposely did this in, in sequence so that you understand how it happened. So, you start with Satan because sin was found in him. Then that produced demons fallen angels. They are part of Jesus' enemies. Okay? Yeah? And then this produced death. Sin produced death. Okay? Death here is not just the physical dying of our body. It is banishment from God. Jesus suffered this. That was the biggest... The, his greatest fear was not just the suffering of his body... Because sometimes people, you can love someone so much, you put your body on the line. It doesn't matter. You get my point? You can take a pain for people if you love someone. And he loves us that much. But the biggest pain was when he said, Eloi, Eloi. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was the biggest pain. To have lived all your life with God and for God. To be banished like Adam was the biggest pain. Yeah? Yeah. So, death, banishment from God. You can also call this hell. This is what you call hell. This is what we call second death. All right? Now, maybe it's a good place to mention this. Hell was not created for God's people. Yeah? Hell came from Satan. In other words, he, he sinned. His sin produced the second death. Does that make sense? Does that make sense, anyone? 
So you guys are going to make me go and read Ezekiel, where he talks about the king of Tyre, but all he was referring to Satan. And he was said actually there, fire, I brought fire out from you. And that fire consumes you. Okay? So God made hell for Satan and then his demons. And then the fifth one, unfortunately, the fallen Adam. Man. The evil nature, the sin nature of man is also an enemy of God. Yeah? Which is why Christ came to, this, to change us from that to this and has given us all a choice to enjoy that. Anyway, I just felt to just mention those five things. When the Bible is talking about that Jesus has defeated all his enemies, he's referring to all these things. Satan, sin, demons, death, and even our sin nature is also defeated. Okay. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 12, verse 20, all right, verse 20 and 22. Verse 20, the Bible says, God seated Jesus at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all ruler, rule, all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age, referring to not just in their time, maybe referring to our time, but for us now reading it, it will mean for not only in our time, but in 20 whatever or 300 billion billion years to come, if Christ tarries, that is applicable to whatever comes up then. Every name that comes up that time, but also the ones to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, and gave him as head over all things. Read that last line for me if it's on the screen. Is it on the screen? Oh, it's not. Read that last line. <laughs> Let's read that last line. He did all these things to the church for the benefit of you and I. Okay. In other words, Christ is in charge for my sake. He rules. He reigns. For my sake. Think about that. Think about that. He is my Lord, but he, this makes him almost like his rulership is for my service. For my benefit. Okay? That's how it sounds now. Okay. Okay. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Now, let me make a bit of interactive section. Now I'm going to talk about I am saved. I said all this to get to this point. Whew. That was all introduction as we're finishing. <laughs> I am saved. Only believe that you are saved. Because he's done it all. Jesus, subject we read earlier, or the text we read earlier, he said, only one work the Father wants you to do, believe in the one he has sent. Let me ask you a question. Simon, Sorry to put you on a spot. How do you know that you're saved? If you can't answer it, that's fine. Kenny, how do you know that you're saved? Be because you changed. Okay, that person. How do you know that you're saved? <gasps> Whew, that's it. It's not because I changed. No, it's not. 
good answer, try, nice, but it's not. Because sometimes I don't change, even though I believe. I've not changed yet, sometimes. Or I have even changed, but I've fallen out of my changed state to some unchanged, I don't know better what to put it. Does that negate my believing? How am I, what gives me the tangible knowing that I am saved? Bible says it clearly. Let's read it. Um, first Peter, no, not first Peter, sorry. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, um, even 8 and 9. But God is so rich. God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, we were dead, he gave us life when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. When did he do this? Can someone tell me? We just read it. He gave us life when he raised Jesus from the dead. Not when, not even when. I did anything. It's when he raised Jesus from the dead, he gave us life. Okay? It is, the next line says, it is only, take that note of that word, I underline it, by God's grace that you have been saved. In other words, it was what he did that saved us. Verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believe. This is the famous scripture we know. We are saved by grace, through faith. Okay? So, what grace did or what Christ did, I only obtained it or achieved it or made it tangible when I believed. So, that's why I say, how do I know that I'm saved? It's because I believe. Okay? Not because I feel saved. Amen? If we're going to go by how we feel, then we'll be jumping in and out of salvation, and there's nothing like that. There's nothing like jumping in and out of salvation. That doesn't mean that someone cannot lose their salvation, because if it's by faith, I can also choose not to believe again. Okay, so that leaves that option, but I'm not even going there. I'm even talking about how do I know that I'm saved. It's because I believe. What do I believe? Everything I've read to us, that when he died physically, that was when God destroyed the power of sin. That's why I, I was reading all those scriptures. Hebrews 2, 14 said it. It had to come in a body, and through the dying of that body, then we became saved. Okay? Next one. I... Only believe I am healed. Question. <laughs> How do you know you're healed? Yeah, Duke, try. Okay, that's, a, that's a, an attempt. But is it what the scripture is telling us? <gasps> Thank you. Do you know it is the same? I wish... I should come sometimes with props. That will help me teach many times. Let's call this his body. Okay? It was the same body 
that was killed that gave salvation. It is not another body that was killed that will bring healing. It is the same body that was bruised that brought healing. So how did I get my salvation? When I believed. How do I get my healing? When you believe. Okay. Yeah, let me ask the question in your head. <laughs> but I still feel the pain in my neck or leg. Okay? I, st I still feel it. Is that any different from I have just give, said Jesus come into my heart. Come in today. Come in to stay. I give you everything in Jesus name. Do you immediately feel saved? No. Anyone who gave their life to Christ. You remember when you gave your life to Christ? Tell me that maybe you guys did. I didn't. I didn't say that prayer and immediately I felt saved. I believed that I was saved. Okay? It was not based on my feeling. Actually, in my own case, not, I don't know about others, I think I went back home, I continued in my sin. Most, <laughs> it felt like I couldn't even get out of some of my habits. It took a while. But I never not believed that I was not saved. I kept on walking towards that salvation. I think Kenneth preached a message here that at some point, his faith was challenged. And the scripture, God used the scripture to remind him, no. No, 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 no. I've made the pathway for you very wide. It's not narrow like you're thinking. It's very wide. You're safe. Don't think you're not. The same goes for my healing. Oh, God, I'm running out of time. Very much out of time. The same goes for our healing. When I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, shoulder be healed. I go away, not thinking that he will not be healed. Now we might still carry on for two weeks, three weeks, 12 years, 15 years. What I would not do, and I'm telling you my opinion, is that I'm not going to pull my faith out that that shoulder is healed. Why? Because he has done it. He is not going to go and die again so I can get healing. He's been crucified. He's been beaten. His body has been crushed. By his stripes we are what? Healed. That's what the scripture says in 1 Peter 2. He personally carried our sin in his body. Again, that's why I keep saying his body. This is why I say the spirit of Antichrist not accepting the body of Jesus kills every other benefit. In other words, you can believe in healing. You can actually believe in salvation. You can actually believe in freedom. You can actually believe in holiness. And when, you see, when I read this next week, you see that holiness, freedom, every single thing is because his physical body, he suffered and bore all those things. He says, so that we can be, sorry, yeah, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. Amen. It is the same spirit that rose that same body of Jesus from the grave. It is that same spirit that you and I have. Amen. That same spirit. So the job for us is the title of the series. Can we say it clearly, loud, everyone? 
Oh, that's so weak. Come on, say it out loud like you believe it. Only, only believe that you are healed. Only believe that you're saved. Why are you doing it? It's because his body has been crushed. It's because he's sacrificed his body. So when you feel ill in your body, you don't necessarily need any pastor to pray for you. Nothing wrong against people praying for one another. The Bible encourages us to pray for each other, okay? You pray and say, God, thank you because you hear my voice. Amen. God, thank you because you hear whose voice? Not, not bishop, pope, whoever. You hear Simon's voice. And right now, I want to thank you because your word has taught me that you have bore all my sickness and all my pain. And by your stripes, I am healed. You pray that prayer. You can, even if you're still limping, limp, limp your way to wherever you're going and keep believing you're healed. Amen. I want to stop, but I felt something quickly to say. This does not mean lie to yourself. What do I mean by lie to yourself? I'm walking down the street and I do, oh, I didn't hit that. I didn't hit that. That's a lie. You hit that. You, you, you nearly fell. Okay? What that means is that if I hit that, pa, I should be able to say, wow, that nearly got, killed me, but I am protected by God. Admit the fact. So if you're ill in your body, admit that you're ill. But now say, by his stripes, I am healed. Okay? It's not meaning that someone asks you, where, like, can I, was shoulder was hurting that time. I say, how's your shoulder? I'm, I'm healed in Jesus' name. No, no, no. He's still in pain. Okay? You first of all, you be honest with yourself and say, I am in pain, but I I believe God for my healing. I've prayed, or the center prayed, or whatever. Do you understand what I mean? So this does not mean negate the truth or deny the fact. Faith leaves above fact. It doesn't deny it. Amen. Amen. Okay. I've got to stop. Um, I've got to. This message actually was inspired um, when God challenged my thinking a little bit. <laughs> Challenge my thinking. It challenged my thinking not because it actually challenged my thinking. Sorry, and I'm, I'm just going to end with this story. Um, it challenged my thinking because of I on Saturday morning I think it happened. I was in the yeah in my usual place where <laughs> I normally spend time with God, and wasn't planning to even. But I just felt in my spirit just to read some of the things God has said to me, and I felt to go back to all the way to 2005. And I picked up this particular one where God says. I have a work for you, and that work you will do for me, you will do it in love and honesty. And immediately I read that word, I felt condemned. In me, I felt, I'm rubbish. I've not lived up to this always. Do you understand what I mean? I felt like I'm not always that loving, I'm not always that honest. So that feeling of, oh God, I'm not, I'm, I'm not living up to this, Kim. God is merciful. His, the speed at which he corrected me was just life-saving. It was as if, as if I was about to fall off a cliff and he had to catch me straight away. Straight away, that's when this God said to me, who told you you are not up to the standard? 
that's what inspired my thoughts. And all of a sudden, I realized that I have partial faith. I, I, I have part of my faith is in all that he has done and some other part is in what I am doing. Amen. Or able to do. Those are the things that hit me all of a sudden. And I realized that in the area of some of the things God has called me to do, I'm not completely basing it on all that he has done for me. I'm still basing it on all I can be able to monster within my strength. And that's how God inspired me to talk about, even though I was going to preach on healing, it opened my heart to realize, only believe what I have done for you. Amen. Only believe what he has done for us. Believe that you are healed, not because you're feeling good in your body. Believe that you're saved, not because you're ticking all the right boxes. Amen. We're going to talk about the other two. Believe you're free, not because you feel free all the time. Believe that you're holy, not because you feel holy. Amen. Believe you're rich, not because your bank is full of money, but because he did it all for us. Amen. By suffering in his body, he provided all five things, and there are many more. My limited knowledge stood with those five. Amen. Father, we thank you for the inspiration of your word. Brings light and illumination. Thank you for teaching us today your word. Thank you because you are trying to encourage us, equip us, and inspire us to believe you for all that you have done. To run with that, not to hold back and think twice and all that, but to believe completely that when we lay hands on the sick, they are recovered. Thank you for the testimonies we've heard. Last week we prayed for people, you healed them. But we're not believing because we saw answers to it. We believe, Father, today because you've done it all. Amen. We believe because you've done it all. And even the ones we have prayed for, that we have not seen answers to those prayers, we're not withdrawing our faith because you did it once and for all. You didn't do it so that you can do it again. You've done it once and for all. And at this point, I pray, not just for the one sitting here, but everyone who's listening or watching this, I pray for healing for your people. I pray for salvation. I pray for safety and pray for peace. I pray for that faith to arise within your people that they will know that you are all for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 